you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to the Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuel. Oh, yo, put some respect on my name. <laughs> what the, what a, yo, man, I'm tired. I'm tired of this mess. I'm tired of this ish, man. Straight uh, up, man. Put some respect. Yo, when I come in the studio, put some respect on my name. I'm tired of you disrespecting me out here, man. You just Dang. set me up to to like throw it at you, you know. I didn't. I, you put me on the spot, you know. Put some respect, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Oh. Well, Joel. Joel. Shots fired, right? Shots fired. Well, guess what? We're talking about guns today, so shots are fired. Uh, so this should be a very interesting episode, no? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how we roll. Uh, <laughs> you ready to go, Joel? Yes, but no. I mean, no. I hate, what do you mean? I hate talk like the way we talk about guns. Um, what do you mean? In the wake of a tragedy, when the focus, in my opinion, should first and foremost be pain the suffering someone anyone who wants to defend guns is put in a a place of i don't at least for me i don't want to talk about it i don't want to talk about gun laws when we're minimizing the people who have suffered tragedy or as i would say or classify the behavior the people who want to control guns or add gun laws are exploiting the pain and suffering. So what am I not saying? I'm not saying we shouldn't use the tragedies to identify that we need to look at these issues. I'm saying talking about these issues only in the wake of a trap. Excuse me only in the wake of a tragedy is one foolish because we're allowing emotion to dictate the conversation as much as, or if not more than actually thinking about these things rationally. Hmm. Good. Well, well said, well said. Okay. Well, so the layout for the listener, the layout of the conversation is we're going to, Talk about the difference between the U.S. gun laws and the Canadian gun laws. So to start, uh, Joel and I are going to just go back and forth. I'm going to name um, some Canadian gun laws, and Joel will say uh, the American ones, and then we'll unpack them. So the first one is that Canada's gun laws are federally regulated. So one set of laws for the whole country. You need training and a license to buy a gun. And, and the U.S. Um, is not at all federal. Um, it's varying state to state. Um, 43 states don't require permits. 
12 states allow unregulated carrying of handguns and then only seven states uh have have laws let's say comparable to canada okay and then we have a pal system uh p-a-l a possession and acquisition license uh, so it's always have a permit when in possession of a gun and not making any stops between your home and the shooting range the only place you can legally fire the gun and i mean the simple answer for what the u.s has is that um is the second amendment uh, which basically says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed um and that and that's federally uh it's not state okay so in canada we have a no self-defense law so that means you can't just shoot somebody so we have a, a reasonable force uh law but it's still up to the judge you can't just shoot somebody when they're on your property, which essentially the the U.S. has castle laws or or stand your ground laws, um, and then more the I think it's thirty states or more than thirty allow citizens to shoot someone if you consider your life to be in danger. Um, Twenty two states extend this outside of your home and into the public. Okay. Uh, our safety laws. So the, there's you get a police check every day mental health screening and safety training the u.s has federally or or u.s wide there is uh, a certain number of days that uh, a store owner is supposed to allow background checks to occur uh, and that's generally two days or 48 hours um or longer uh from the time the gun's purchased to the possession of the weapon. Um, so it's important to note anyone who says that there is no waiting period, not true. Anyone who doesn't follow a waiting period is breaking the law. And note that I'm talking about commercial. Um, if you're selling your antique gun, you're, you're not required to get a background check. So, Okay. What in these well, differences so, do you consider to pardon? be what 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 of these differences do you consider to be the most significant or the most misunderstood? Hmm. The most misunderstood? Uh I I think I think I think the second amendment uh is uh is is I think the most misunderstood. Because a lot of times there's been a lot of confusion of the interpretation of it, right? So, so a lot of times people say, okay, well, it's only for hunting rifles. Um, any uh, the state coming against, um, or the federal state coming against uh, the people, so the people can use it only in that instance. But then we see that the, the, the law ha has evolved in regards to being able to defend yourself against your neighbor. Um, and, then, and then even as Canadians, we don't, we don't have that amendment. So you kind of see how culturally 
gun culture is different in America. Not to say we don't have one in Canada, but it's a, just a totally different um, beast in America. Yeah, I mean, the, you look at the ratio of guns. Like, I think it's actually more guns in the U.S. than there are people, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then something like 50% own a weapon or, or some 30 to 50%, I think, is the numbers. I mean, versus Canada. Like, most people don't own a gun, I would presume. Like, the numbers are just astronomically high. Yeah, that. but yeah, but the reason why most people don't own a gun in Canada is because there's so much hoops you got to jump through to get one. Uh... I mean, it's not really as I think people perceive it to be a lot harder than it actually is. Like, yes, we have to do a course and you have to get your license. But like from like I've read up on it a bit, like technically you just pay, show up and you'll get passed. Not like people fail their gun test. So nah, there's nah barriers nah. to entry. I Nah, I I rather just skip that step, and 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 get a gun from Fat Tony and keep it moving. I'm not trying to study for an exam to get a gun. So I mean, I think that's too much. I think that's too much hoops. But that's just me. That's that's <laughs> a little facetious, I assume. But yeah, yeah. But but also you. But you know what also stands out, Joel? The stand your ground. The stand your ground, and, and we first heard about that with Trayvon Martin, and you know, you're kind of like, well, stand your ground. So wait, if you feel like you're being threatened, you could shoot somebody. Um, but we don't have that in Canada, which is which is pretty interesting. Uh, like the, a couple of nights ago, in the middle of the night, some dude is knocking at my door, just yeah. banging on the door, banging on the door. And now, yeah, you know, I'm half a scared, but I'm also half asleep. So now I'm going downstairs. And and I just open the door, and it's a black dude in a hoodie. Now I don't know about you, but if I see a black dude in a hoodie, I'm not thinking Martin Luther King Jr. I'm thinking Bishop and Juice, <laughs> right? So I'm nervous, man. I'm just like, okay, what do you want? And he's just not all there. He's clearly not all there. Um, long story short, you know, I just called the police, and they and they came. Um, and actually, they sent a multicultural task force: two Indian guys and a black woman. So, you know, you know, shout out to Peel Police for, uh, <laughs> you know, covering their butts. But uh, so, so you know, the guy wasn't mentally well. But the point I'm making is that, you know, at some point I was scared and I felt threatened. Right. You know, I have my wife in the house and I, and I got a protector. And at that point, black lives don't matter to me. He's going to yeah. have to go. You know, if I have a gun on me, I'm going to use it. And like my dad always taught me, don't pull a gun out on somebody unless you're planning to use it. But lo and behold, I can't just shoot somebody because I I feel scared. Yeah. What's up with that? Right. Well, I think it's, you know, I might as well not have them. It's a fair point, right? That, that I think this threshold of reasonable force is something that I consider a value, right? Because in the U.S., technically you could have opened the door gun cocked scaring this staring this guy in the face and if he's mentally you know unstable how's he how he responds to that could actually potentially make you feel more threatened and consequently he's done yeah no totally because yo he he was like trying to come into the house and i'd have been like yo pushing him like yo yo bro yo like nah it's not happening yeah 
You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting when you look at our laws and that, you know what, I'm not going to add another statistic to our murder count because I'm scared. That's just not going to happen. So that's, I think that explains a lot of the difference between the American system and the Canadian system that, you know, yeah, like, yo, people behind the gun, you get scared sometimes. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's either them or you, right? Yeah, I think to, for me, the other thing that, that stands out, um, kind of moving off of the, the self-defense piece is um, the, the waiting period. Um, in Canada, the reason why we did it is to prevent um self-harm um so our at literally every single gun purchase has to get approved by like you know some certifier and it can take a week for your purchase to get approved so the purpose of having that waiting period is so the guy who wants to commit self-harm can't and and so many people don't understand that as much as the the U.S. scenario, let's say, sucks or or just doesn't function very well, um, they still have that waiting period. You te- so any sort of control or or legislation people want to put in to prevent harm, the number one or self harm, the number one thing they can do has already been done. Now. The funny thing is there's there's like it uh, there's some stats around like how bad the US is at doing these background checks like there's I have this point here that the it's, it takes the FBI an average of 25 days and and so my response to that is Oh, the FBI is recommending take more time, like give us more time. And like me interpreting is like, oh, the government's saying we suck at doing this. Make us not look bad. So make the time frame longer. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit critical, but I think it's. Most people just, oh, we need more gun law, more gun control is the default response. There's no conversation around what are we doing that's currently effective? What are we doing that's currently ineffective? And maybe actually removing it altogether might make sense. And then what could we add or while understanding the Second Amendment is about protecting the ability for people to to prevent tyrannical government. Now, how many people will be like, oh, that's not a problem today, da-da-da-da-da. Like, I get it. But look at history. The, the governments like Hitler, Stalin, Pol Pot, on and on, the first thing they do when they want to kill, when they kill citizens is take away their gun. And so there, there needs to be a recognition of the purpose of Second Amendment is to prevent tyranny. And it says, shall not be infringed. If what you're recommending is infringing on their ability, then you're technically violating the Constitution. And we need to take that more seriously. Okay. Okay, well, well there's a, we have a soundbite uh, from a victim from the Dawson College mass shooting that happened in Canada. And, and well, we'll play it and then we'll unpack it. 
Um, and she's basically giving um, a, a statement on, on changing the laws based on her experience. My name is Megan Hennigan, and I'm a survivor of the 2006 Dawson College shooting. 11 years ago, I was shot twice, once in the arm and once in the right hip, and I suffer lasting physical consequences to this day. I was shot with this weapon. It's a restricted weapon, but because the killer was a member of a gun club, he could own one despite behavior that deemed him unsuitable for military service. The coroner at the time said had the spirit of the 1995 law been respected, this weapon would have been prohibited. An unrestricted gun means that it is unregistered, so nobody knows who owns these weapons or how many of them they have, thanks to the Harper government. We did not expect the Harper government to ban assault weapons, but we are expecting it from Mr. Trudeau and his liberal government. In fact, most Canadians would be shocked to learn that the guns used in recent mass shootings in the United States are freely available for private ownership in Canada. So, this yeah. individual. That's heavy. It, it is. So, well, well, first of all, that's heavy and, and, it, and it's sad. Um, and it kind of puts a face uh, to the situation. So, so the point she, she addresses... Um, is that she's asking Trudeau to ban assault rifles and Canadians can own and Canadians can own restrictive weapons. Now, I'll just say this, Joel, real quick. One thing as I was doing my research for this episode, you know, I never really paid attention to this, this issue until mm-hmm. I had to study for it. <laughs> um, but I didn't realize how politically charged this issue is and, and how, um, how, how, how the, the language... Um, how politically charged the language is in regards to uh, dealing with this issue. So that was one thing I, I learned from from dealing with the issue. Well, oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. The, the, that, and that was where I started with that, that point, right? That like, it, it becomes so political so quickly when a tragedy occurs that the tragedy, in my opinion, is being exploited, right? Like, give it a week, you know? Let the... Let the emotion of the event die and let productive conversation ensue versus literally minutes after you've got people, you know, grandstanding a victim and, and, you know, my criticism of this, you know, audio clip is who should we be listening to when it comes to gun laws? Experts, you know. Um, there should be some level of political expert. There should be a gun expert. Victims inherently are not an expert. The thing they're an expert in is the pain that they experienced. But that pain can't be looked at in isolation. Unfortunately, when it comes to our gun laws, we need to look at things statistically speaking. Because if I was to prevent her particular pain by putting in a law, but somehow this caused more pain to a whole bunch of other people's, we would deem that unproductive. But we would have to be looking at it at a statistical level, not a individual emotional level. Right. Right. Uh, now, especially when you're dealing with issues on mass shootings and 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 resolving the issue. I found a really good article by Dr. Barrett Duke, um, who's a vice president for the public policy and research for the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. 
So in his article about mass shootings, he makes three excellent points. He says, but we must also recognize the background checks alone will not end these senseless killings. Most of those responsible for the mass shootings in the last 30 years would have passed a background check. Point two, ultimately gun control restrictions will not keep guns out of the hands of criminals and they will not stop uh, someone intent on shooting people from obtaining guns. And his third point, uh, the mental health issue focuses on the person doing the shooting, not the method. After all, it's the person pulling the trigger that is actually causing the deaths. These killings are clearly being done by very troubled people, oftentimes very young men. I think- and I thought, I, thought that was, I thought that was an excellent uh, summary of what the problem is and isn't. I, I agree. And I think there's a lack of comparing recommended laws with, with these points, right? Making lawful gun owners go through more regulation doesn't take the guns out of the hands of criminals. Um, if, like, big picture, if we could get rid of all the guns tomorrow, we can have a different conversation. But that's never going to happen. Right, right. Of, of, course, of, of course, of course, of course, because even when you look at the black market, like, let's say you got rid of all the guns. Well, they're still going to make more guns and they're just going to go underground. And then you're going to have uh, more people who shouldn't have guns with guns and people who uh, should have guns in, in regards to, you know, self-defense won't have any. Well, and look at the UK. They're having mass stabbings. Right. And they have like really, really strict gun laws. Like the cops don't even have guns. Um, now they're talking about banning knives. Like, it's, it's a failure to recognize, you know, I'll use the word sin that's involved here, right? Take out the mental health part, but mm-hmm. how much of the deaths are caused by, you know, gangs and, and crime, right? Like, mm-hmm. people's not, people's view of life being so easily taken or so willing to take life right right so 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 what's your two cents joel um i think more than anything most people who want stricter gun laws are doing it because they're looking at what they think feels good right oh i want to restrict the access to these weapons because I want to prevent mass killing. Okay, that feels good. But if what you're recommending has no effect, it doesn't matter that it feels good. Or, and this is you know something that hadn't come up yet, but I think we, we look at gun death statistics in too far of an isolation. Um, the If violent crime, including rape and beating people up, you know, increases and gun death goes down, you know, we have to weigh those things. We can't just be like, well, we just need lower gun death. Like there's just, there's, this issue is so complex. This issue is 
definitely deserving conversation. But so many people are like, well, gun control is the only answer. And they're not willing to actually engage the issue. They just want to do what feels good. And that is what frustrates me so much because how are they determining what feels good? Well, they're pulling on the emotions of the victims. Awkward pause. <laughs> wow. No, 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 no. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, so uh, for me, I think gun ownership is a sensitive issue because uh, it's like a human rights issue. Uh, the right to own property that may be harmful to others. So as Christians, we have the right to own a gun. Uh, Christians are not pacifists. Uh, Jesus instructed the disciples to sell their cloak to buy swords in Luke chapter 27, verse 36. In Exodus 22, um, verses 2 to 3, God said, it's okay to protect your home from a thief. Uh, we live in a fallen world where death can happen at any moment. We should not be uh, fearful or flee death. As Christians, we should be prepared to act courageously to defend the life of others, even if the conflict leads to the death of self or your opponent. So, for the listener who doesn't hold to the Christian ethic or the Christian morality, mm -hmm. you know, what, what could they pull out of what you've just said? Well, well part of it is. A person has a right to own own a gun. So if you don't feel if you don't feel if you want to exercise that right, then don't do it. But you can't violate somebody's right by telling them that they can't do it. Especially, especially like especially if you have, you know, a family or, or something to defend or your own life. Like, think about it. Like just like in the this the situation I was talking about, the story I told. Like, I have my wife in the house. You see what I'm saying? In my head, that's a non-negotiable. If if it comes to you know you or my wife's life, you're going to lose your life. Yeah. And and that's I think it. most people would would be able to say, yeah, if I'm put in that position, that that's what they're going to do. Right now, now if I have a if if I got a heater on my hip, and I gotta stick that heat through the window, and rock that to sleep, and that's what I'm gonna do. That's what I'm going to do. And I think for the reality is most people, when they start talking about these, you know, whether it's more gun regulation, more gun laws, more background checks, they, they almost don't even, they don't consider that self-defense aspect a relevant part of the conversation. Well, 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 no, no, they do. Like, I mean, John Piper's, um, you know, not for you know the self defense. You know, he, you know he, you know he, he, he you know he, he wants you to go into a self sacrificial and go into glory. Uh, you know, no disrespected Pastor Piper, but I ain't going out like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going out like that. Like if 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 it, if it comes down to some to confrontation, I'm gonna fight. Well, you know what I mean? I'm just I'm just not I'm not gonna go that way. So and I think you're you know, so about yeah, there are people who like protecting your family. Like that plays into it too, right? Like, I don't know what they're going to do to my family. Like, death is probably the lowest level of concern that I have in terms of pain and suffering and potentially other 
crazy things that they would do to my family. Right? Like, so in your, in, in total agreement with you, it's like, you know, if my family's at risk or I'm at risk, like I, I'm willing to defend it. And I, and I think, you know, from a Christian perspective, there is a, a little more room for conversation than some pastors make it seem. But I think the other side of it is, you know, people aren't engaging in conversation. They're not willing to go back and forth. So um, I, I know I've definitely given two cents. Darnell, I don't know if there's anything left on your end, but we, nah, we should. I, 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 I got no more sense. <laughs> well, we, we want to hear the listeners two cents. Um, but because we think this is an issue that needs to be engaged, it needs to be a conversation about it. Can't just be, you know, talking. Yeah, before, before, before another school gets shot up. Yeah. So hit us up, Facebook, Twitter. I'll let your boy. But you heard me. Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.